This week's episode is brought to you by the Doors Open Connect app platform, available on the Apple App Store to download now. Designed by real estate professionals for real estate professionals. Looking to leverage your business and take it to the next level with the newest technology available? Doors Open Connect. If you're not sure what we're about, make sure to listen to the first episode ever and we'll keep the doors open so your deals stay closed. Hello, everybody. This is Deshaun Robinson with the Doors Open Connect podcast, and I'm sitting here with my co-host, Ricky Haas, a.k.a. Rick Haas. Don't call him Ricky. He hates it. Uh, Only outside the office you can call me Ricky. When I'm inside the office, it's Rick or Mr. Haas. <laughs> and let's uh, let's go ahead and get started and dive into the meat and potatoes, as we like to say. So let's do a little reflecting. So uh, we actually have done some crazy things. We have something really exciting that we can't wait to tell everybody that, especially our listeners, especially real estate agents, we're super excited. Um, of course, we you know it is real estate, so knock on wood, we don't cash our checks before they actually enter the bank account. So what we're going to do is uh, avoid that, but I do want people to uh, stay tuned. Um, we have a big, seeing as it's Christmas, we have a big gift coming. Big gift. If it all works out, we got a big gift. End of 2020, uh, rolling in here strong to the to the New Year's. We actually just um, teamed up with a luxury real estate agent in Tallis Park. And we've actually had her on the podcast before, Chloe. Um, and we filled five open houses. So we have over $375 that will be uh, distributed to the agents that sit those listings. And the cool thing about that is they will be, uh, one, they get to to sit and market themselves in these um, different high-end listings. Uh, two, champagne and chocolate. Who doesn't like champagne? And I can't just say champagne and chocolate. It's high-end chocolate. It's uh, like Norman Love or something. So. Oh, the good stuff. Oh, great stuff. Mm. Um, and so that's really... And all- Talis Park, too, which is... A great community to do an open house, and if you if you want to build your real estate career here in Naples, right. Um, in this particular situation, just through the app, the way we set it up, um, she wants all the leads turned over to her. The leads list, you're getting paid for your time. However, if somebody from that listing uh, or that that shows up and they're not working with an agent already, um, that comes to that open house, she's offering a referral fee. Um, for anything that closes. So the cool thing is a couple hours out of the day, agents get paid. They get to see something different. They're in a luxury high-end community. They get to see these nice um, luxurious uh, homes and sit them for her. Um, And they get to network and work together. And I'm sure that um, this will be uh, the spawn of many good things going forward. It's a a great way for agents to do an open house and change the price point that they want to change. And these are all high-end properties. Exactly. And to to network and work with other agents outside of their own brokerage or, you know, maybe within their brokerage. In this particular case, I think they're all from outside brokerages. And so you get paid for your time, but you also get to to be a part of an experience and and have some fun and get to see another side of a community and work together with somebody who's made their way up into the luxury community of Dallas Park. So that's that's good. Another thing is, I think, uh, don't quote me on this, I'm pretty sure we're about four contracts in right now live contracts because of open houses done through the app um which is phenomenal one we already know we've proven concept it's already worked we closed deals we've made a lot of people money Um, but it sounds like we're going to make some more people money um just this last weekend on sunday just uh just actually had a listing agent uh she had somebody host for her um at one of her listings and um it worked out great because the actual the actual uh 
buyers that are, they're under contract with now had ended up, they wanted to go look at another home, saw the open house signs. They ended up going into that, op, uh, Stephanie's open house, which she was sitting there for um, Jess. And unfortunately, the thing is that, you know, this, this happens, but they have another agent in mind they wanted to work with. That's where they put the contract in. But that house is now under contract through an open house, through DOC. And I'm sure that Jess is going to take good care of Stephanie for um, and, and offer her a referral. Because if that house had never been kept open, those people would have walked, driven right by it. So really cool. The door could have still been closed, huh? door could have still been closed. We do everything we can to keep them open. Plenty of opportunities out there. You just have to jump in and, and try to make that work. So, again, a lot of really cool, exciting things. Um, and we're... Um, we're happy about today's episode. This is a very feel-good episode. This is a very, for new agents, this in particular, or discouraged agents, I think um, that you really need to pay attention and listen to this episode because, um, you know, a lot of people think that there's a thing called overnight success, and that's, that's incorrect. Um, it's all about how you put yourself in a position so that when the opportunities present themselves, you're ready to take advantage of that. In this one particular case, we're we're looking forward to interviewing this uh, this gentleman here, and we're gonna we're gonna shed some light on the real estate market and how people just assume uh, so much. You know, they, they focus on the success stories, and and that's okay because that's motivating and it's inspirational. However, um, I think it's more important to focus on where you were or where somebody's been. And that overnight success could have taken 17 years, you know, 17 years in in an industry, could have taken 20 years, 30 years, could have taken 45 years in the industry before all of a sudden something changed and it worked. So I think this, this episode, please listen in, please share with your friends and family. If you, I know you'll find value out of this. Um, and we're, we're really inspired uh, to do this. And so we're, we're super excited and we're going to go ahead and, Play a little, uh, uh, little music, little intro music, because this particular gentleman has certainly earned it through blood, sweat, and tears, literally. Um, so let's uh, let's go on and play a little uh, intro. Congratulations. Uh huh. Extra special here. Love Posty. Love this song. The song was so big when it came out. Still oh, is. It still is. It's so great. So I want to welcome Tyler Sylvia uh, from Arzuka Real Estate. Um, and Tyler has a compelling story, a very motivational story, one of determination. Um, I can't even. I can't even, I can go on and on and on. It should be a movie, probably. It probably should be. It probably should be a movie. I'm happy that we got him on the podcast so we can actually uh, dive into his story. And um, again, this this is what people think and perceive of an overnight success. Um, but let's 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 take it back a little bit. Tyler, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell our listeners who you are um, and where you're from, and then we're gonna get right into it. All right. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on the show. I really do appreciate it. Um, my name is Tyler Sylvia. I was born and raised in Cape Coral. I got my real estate license about seven years ago, right after I graduated high school. I didn't want that typical job where you go sit at a desk and, and you go to the college route, go put yourself in $80,000 in debt for a degree that, frankly, in this generation doesn't do too much. Um, 
I moved been out, I've been out here in Naples for the past three years. And what else would you like to know? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, what made you move to Naples? Yeah. Um, so actually back when I first started in real estate, I was about a year into it. I came across a home over in the moorings. It was a new construction home built 2016. It was 745 Riviera Drive. When I first saw that home, it inspired me so much to get out here into the Naples market because I was blown away. Like, that was my dream home. Like, holy cow, there are homes like that. Like, coming from Cape Coral, like, yeah, it's a nice area, but Naples is a whole different ballgame. Naples is such an incredible market because it's such a melting pot of wealth, melting pot of success stories, people from all different walks, all different backgrounds. It's truly incredible and inspiring if you actually take a moment just to listen and learn from these people. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's it's very rare to find someone that's actually from Naples, Florida. Yeah. Most yes. of it's just yeah. a melting pot of different cultures and different cool things. Or even just a Floridian, a natural born Floridian. Like, yep. holy cow, I feel like a rare species. Cool. Now, now, Tyler, you have an incredible character, but I know that it's, that comes from um, a lot of challenges. And so, in particular, we want to we want to take it back before uh, 2018, where you did two hundred sixty thousand dollars. Before 2019, where you did nine hundred twenty thousand dollars. Before 2020, we did twelve point two million dollars <laughs> in a pandemic. Um, you actually died on November tenth, twenty sixteen. That so, is correct. So the story is, you know what? I don't even want to get into the story. I want you to explain the story. What what happened? So you were you were three and a half years um, in real estate already, mm-hmm. and then that's correct. Um, you weren't having much success, and I think you mentioned that you actually thought about quitting. Yeah. So back then, um, after I, I was fresh out of high school, I was surrounding myself around people that like to party and, and drink and get girls. I mean, I was I was eighteen years old. 19 years old, 20 years old, I kind of followed in that route and even up to 21. And so for a long time in real estate, every time I'd get commission check or something like that, I'd pretty much go and blow it at the bar, buying shots, trying to impress women and stuff like that and be like, hum, 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 I'm in real estate, you know, it right. sounds impressive. Mm-hmm. And so we were all there. <laughs> we've all been there. And frankly, I wasn't doing too hot. I mean, I'd get check, I'd blow it, and then I'd be miserable the next month because all my money was gone. It was like three or four grand, and that was it mm-hmm. each month. And and I, I really doubted my capabilities in real estate. And actually, that night of the car accident, I was actually on my way to go interview at Naples Motorsports in hopes I could get a sales job at 21 years old, uh, selling the high-end cars. How, how old were you when you got into real estate? 18. 18. Just graduated high school. And, and out of high school, did, did you want to do real estate? Was that like in your mind? or? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I probably about for a year, I wanted to get into real estate. My mom was in real estate for the time for about 27 years, 26 years. Down here? Yeah. Okay. She actually tried to discourage me from going into real estate. She wanted <laughs> me to go to that college route. And, and, and frankly, I graduated high school with a 2.56 GPA. So I just want to let you all know, anybody can do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and... And, and, and um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. No, so after after high school, you got yep. into real estate at 18. Correct. So I actually, I didn't want to go to that typical desk job, like I said earlier. I wanted a career that was challenging, that was exciting, that for one, if I work hard at it, I can actually earn what I put into it. Okay. And I was, I was earning what I put into it because what I was putting into it was garbage, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, I was actually on a team with my mom and my mom did carry me for a lot of those years. And so... So like I, I, 
I frankly didn't have too much going on for myself. I had my own deals every now and then, and it was it was cool. It was fun. It was exciting. It looked great. Oh, you were just blowing all that money. I was blowing all that money. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just didn't know any better. I was a young kid. I mean, yeah, at that age, early, early 20s, late teens, you know, it's it gets very easy. I had, at that point in my life, I had a landscaping company. I was making mm-hmm. six grand a month, and I worked three days a week. Mm. It was it was golden. I loved it. You felt like a baller. I I spent all the money at at a young age, but (laughs) I mean, when you get older, of course, you know you want to save, you want to invest, you Mm -hmm. have bigger plans. Um, How many deals did you do in those first three years? Would you say? Oh, less than thirty. Less than thirty. Less than thirty. And most and most of them, you say, were with your mom. Correct. Okay, that's Uh, still pretty good. Yeah, that's that's ten ten a year. Ten a year is still great. For for for, yeah, for a new agent, but of course, again, being carried a little bit that helps. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to, you know, I know there was a lot before that, but I want to die back. I want to, I want to go back and I, and I hate to do this to you, but you know, I need people to understand, uh, where your passion and, and your success is coming from now. Um, and so I want to take it back to November 10th, 2016. <laughs> and I, I need you to tell us what happened on that night. Um, and, and, you know, lay it out for us. Okay. And, and then, and again, this will lead into, the successes that you've had recently, uh, four years, um, pretty much to the anniversary, uh, to to basically, you know, making a lot of commission in one day that a lot of people would look <laughs> up to. And of course, again, that's what people focus on. And um, and and and, but it didn't. It was never that simple. Oh, agreed. Um, so many people see they at least they heard what I made, right? And all they all they kept saying was, "Dang, I should get into real estate." And it's just like, no. What you don't see is all the time and dedication it took right. to get there. So let's 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 walk them through it. And, okay. And and so let's let's go back to Tyler, November tenth, twenty sixteen. What happened? All right. So November tenth, twenty sixteen. It was actually the day that I was going to be going to Naples Motorsports to go interview for a job. Um, I, was, I was hoping to go get a salesman position, but realistically, I believe I was going to be getting a detailing position. It was just because I wasn't doing too well in real estate and I was ready to give up. And so that night I was actually on my way to Fort Myers and I was going to go stay the night in Fort Myers. So I, had, I was quick closer to I-75. And that night I happened to get into a car accident that changed my life forever. There was a flatbed truck with a concrete mixer on the back of it. It ran out of gas and stayed on the left lane on the bridge. There was no lights, no flares, no cones, nothing. It was completely blacked out at nighttime. What bridge was that? Midpoint Bridge. Uh, the, uh, the kit bridge that's on veterans going to Fort Myers. Okay. Yep. And so I was been hiding an SUV at the last second. The SUV swerved to the right. Which is only two lane, that bridge. It's only a two lane bridge. Yeah, so there's no, so no way for you to go. It's basically off the bridge. Or- and I was driving a Cadillac CTS sedan. So it's, it's sitting a little bit lower. It's not like an SUV height. Yeah. So I can't go see through the glass mirror. Or any, I can't go see through the glass window or anything like that. And the SUV swerved out of the way and I crashed right into the car. And Roughly about in, how fast were you going? I was going about 65. Okay. 60, 65, right around that range. The, the speed limit's 55 on that bridge. Like okay. It's a standard speed when you go over that bridge. So anybody that judges me, you haven't gone over the bridge. <laughs> yeah. So go for um, And so I remember that point of impact. I remember that exact moment, what it felt like. I remember the car spinning. I remember the millions of thoughts that all happened all at once. It was, it, it was crazy. It, I remember every single thought I would get like it was yesterday. I remember thinking, is this real life? What is going on? Holy cow, my parents are going to kill me. Is this an accident? Holy cow, holy cow. It was just like a whole lot of holy cows. Mm-hmm. And and it was a lot of disbelief in that split second 
of the point of impact to stopping the car. And so I remember the, as I was spinning, I remember for one moment, I just remember, holy cow, this is a car accident. And I remember as soon as that car stopped, I looked up, I actually felt my teeth. I, I was, I wanted to know if I had teeth first. <laughs> and um, I remember looking up, touching my teeth, and then all of a sudden looking, really noticing that the car was on fire. And in that moment, I, I took off my seatbelt and I realized that I was stuck. And my thoughts were, I'm going to burn alive. And I remember just asking, to, asking God to let me die. Asking if he can just let me die so I don't have to burn alive. And I remember I put my head on that steering wheel. And next thing you know, there's off-duty paramedics that are right there that they happened to just be crossing the bridge, saw the accident, stopped, got out, and they started to help me and they put the fire out. And I remember just screaming help at the top of my lungs right after they I came back, hey, are you okay, are you okay? And then I remember too, so my phone was in my cup holder and all of a sudden I, after my accident, I, I didn't know where it went. I thought it went maybe behind the car, like in the back seat, somewhere in the under the passenger floorboard. And I remember there was something in between my legs that wasn't there before. So, I mean, as guys, I think we can imagine what my fear was. So I actually kind of like puckered up like, and I put my hand and I grabbed it. It was my phone. My phone was completely shattered, but it still worked. And so in that moment, I called my mom. I used Siri to call my mom. And I remember, so my mom has a hearing issue. So when she answered the phone, it was on speakerphone. So she already couldn't hear me too well. And I remember going, mom, help, help, help. I'm on the bridge. Accident, help. It's bad, help. And she's like, I can't hear you. I'm so sorry. Like, here, here's your father. Here's your father. Please tell him what's going on. And I'm like, dad, help. Accident, bridge. It's really bad. Dad, help. And he's like, he's like, stay on the phone. We're on our way. And I remember telling him, I can't stay on the phone. I'm bleeding out. I'm so sorry. I love you. And and then before I hung up, he heard me start screaming help because there's some firefighters that were coming over and I just kept screaming help and I hung up. And then I went to go call a few other people. One of the calls failed. I was actually calling one of my best friends, Rocky, and the call failed. And so then, like, what a time to fail. And then I, I called another one of my friends who wasn't a firefighter and thinking... I just came out of an accident. So my logical thinking is, is gone. So I'm like, oh, he can help me. He's a firefighter too. And so I call him and all of a sudden I realize that I can't really talk anymore and that it feels like my ribs are all broken. And I was asking, the, I, I took, I asked a firefighter if he could take my phone and tell him where I'm at. And he go, and I was like, I, I, I can't talk. Can, can you help? And he's like, I'm like, did I break my ribs? He goes, you have like, can you touch it right there and see if they're connected still and i was like yeah they're still there he goes oh god i'm like what he goes you probably popped your lung or collapsed your lung and i was like oh okay and so um after that i didn't even have my phone i just i just left it with the firefighters because i i i didn't even know what to do my vision's so blurry i can't see more than five feet in front of me and the that like um that adrenaline rush was was pretty much over pretty quickly because I was bleeding out so much. So the injuries that happened were I had a, on my right leg, my lower right, 
my lower right leg, I broke my tibia and fibula, and it was a compound fracture. And so they were actually stuck under the the floorboard and the engine bay because it all came in. And I snapped my femur. Uh, it, it, my left femur was completely snapped in two, and I broke my right forearm, my supporting bone, the ulna, and I popped and collapsed my lung. And so I remember, so backtracking to the bridge now, um, I remember when I was still on the bridge, one of the firefighters actually ran off and threw up. I actually, I believe he threw up, but I remember he ran off and was extremely nauseous from what the, what the other firefighter told me. And I was like, why'd he just run off? He said, well, to be honest, it's your leg. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, I'm like, you can't see my leg. It's under the floorboard. And he's like, your other leg. And my left leg was literally like an L shape. And it was just, it was so swollen. It was hard as a rock. And I had no clue. And I remember just thinking, I remember asking, like, am I paralyzed? And he's like, can you feel your toes? And I was like, I saw, so I, I tried to move my left toes and I didn't really have a feeling. And then I moved my right foot toes and I could still move my right foot toes. But once it came to my left, it felt like my, my left leg was still in that same place of where it was before my accident, like right there in front of me. And so I remember after he said that, after I realized just how bad this accident really was, it came a time where I was like, oh my God, I'm not, I'm never going to be the same. My life is over. And I remember I just, I was like, I'm done. I'm ready to give up. And so I put my head on that steering wheel and I completely stopped fighting. And in that moment, I could feel that life leaving me. It was like when you slowly submerge yourself into a pool and you feel that water rising against your skin. That was like what it was like internally, except it was life leaving. I don't know how to describe it, but it was such an odd feeling. But I remember taking that last breath. The, and I saw the light you see when you die. That's true. And uh, it was bright. And I just stopped feeling. And all of a sudden, because your brain's still active after you die, all of a sudden I hear my mom scream my name at the top of her lungs. And it was like a huge breath of life just came right back to me. It was like, <gasps> it was a huge gasp. And I remember my, I look up, there's my mom. I, I try to pick up my arm as much as I could. It's like wobbling and it just falls because I, I couldn't hold it up. And I remember just thinking, I can't let my mom see me die. And that was a driving force for me during that moment. And so that, that part was about 30 minutes into the accident. I was the longest extra extraction in Cape Coral's history where someone came out alive and the worst accident where someone came out alive as well. And wow. so I had three different fire departments there too, all trying to get me out. That car was smushed, like absolutely just, just totaled in every way. They had to cut the ceiling off the car and they hit, were putting that blanket over me. I had five IVs. I had two firefighters squeezing IV bags into me. And I had some pesky news reporter. Every time I'd start screaming, he'd run up with a camera and try to videotape me screaming. And they had to keep pushing him aside. <laughs> Let's just say my dad wasn't too happy about it. Um, and so I was making jokes. Like I remember the whole. I remember the whole time. I remember the, every single moment, all of it. And so about say about forty five minutes to an hour. I, my way of coping, if anybody knows me, I like to make jokes. That's just how I cope with life. That's how I cope with anything. And so I remember I was like. I put my hand on the steering wheel. I leaned back a little bit and I was like, hey, 
you guys want to go to the beach? I got a convertible now. Let's go pick up some babes. And, <laughs> and, hey, it was a little bit of dark humor at the bridge that night. And I remember also going like, am I going in the helicopter? Like, no, you're, uh, you're too close to the hospital. And I was like, thanks for killing my badass ride story. <laughs> and, um, but about four, oh, now this is about an hour and 45 minutes into it. And uh, I also forgot they did. I actually had my, them call my sister too. And they said, wait at the hospital. We'll be there in about 20 minutes. And this was about 10, 20 minutes after my car accident happened. So my sister was waiting at the hospital for over an hour and a half. And I still wasn't there. And um, about an hour and 45 minutes into the accident, I remember I kept begging them to put me to sleep. Put me, like, please put me under. I'm not going to make it. And they kept saying they can't get the doctor's order. They kept, they kept injecting me in morphine, but it just kept wearing off real quick. And uh, about an hour and 45 minutes into it, I realized that they're really not going to get me out, that this is even worse than I thought it was. And it didn't feel like they were any closer. They, they talked about cutting my leg off. They talked about possibly being paralyzed on my left side of my body. Like my left lower leg is going to be paralyzed. And so I remember at that time, there was a firefighter that came over to me and started talking to me, tried to reassure me they're going to get me out. And I stuck out my hand, my left hand, and he put his hand in mine. And I remember... I squeezed it as hard as I could. And I said, can you please get my mom out of here and bring my dad over to me? I want to tell him I love him and I'm sorry. I'm not going to make it. And he's like, we can't bring him over to you. We're trying to get you out. And I looked at him. I squeezed as hard as I could. And he was pretty shocked for how hard I squeezed in that moment. And, and I said, I'm going to die. Please don't take that away from me. I, wanna, I don't want my mom to see me die. And I want to tell my dad I'm sorry and I love him. And he just looked. He didn't know what to say. He, he said, okay. Okay, I can do that for you. And so he went over and he came back to me and, and he's like, I got your mom out of here. I don't know where your dad is. I'm like, what are you talking about? My dad looks just like me, just older and probably smoking a cigarette. And then that's when the chief yelled out. Actually, I don't want to get the chief in trouble because he did something that he wasn't supposed to do in order to help put me to sleep. So I don't want to kind of put that out there because I don't want to risk him ever getting in trouble if this well, ever gets we, back to him. We, we were talking Collier, Lee County, Port Charlotte. That, you don't need to say names. All right, all right. So the person, a person in charge at the time, yelled out, F it, get me this and this. And he came over and said, Tyler, we're going to put you to sleep. Don't worry, son, we're going to get you out. And I remember he actually injected whatever he did into my left bicep, my right bicep vein. And I, st I still have the scars from everything. And I remember just saying, thank you so much. And then it was black. And then all of a sudden, like, so I went to life support right afterwards. Um, they managed to get me out. My mom rode in the ambulance with them. And they got to the hospital. And at this point, they put me on life support. Because I wasn't going to be able to breathe on my own. My body went through too much trauma. And so. And so. Uh, sorry. It's always. Uh, yeah. No. It's like nostalgic almost. It's just. So they put me into life support. And then when I was in this life support phase. It was. It was like torture. It felt like I was in there for seven weeks. That That's honestly the time that I thought I was in there for. I felt like I was in there for seven weeks. It felt like I was being tortured, mutilated, not to get too gross, but like it felt like I was just being ripped apart every single second. 
it was horrific. It was more of a fight than it was on the bridge. And everything was just blood red. It was like this cloudy blood red. I don't know how to describe it, but it was just, it, it didn't feel like I was on this earth anymore. It didn't feel like I was alive. And all I kept hearing during this time was just let go. There's no consequences here. You won't get in trouble. Just let go. That's all I kept hearing. And for, that felt like it for seven weeks. It was, it was, I was only in there for two days. Was that, was that like friends or family? Just kind No, of like, my family wouldn't tell me to let go. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, like, was that like... No, it was just a voice. It was just this strange voice. I don't know how to describe it. I don't know what it was, but it was just this voice that wanted me to let go. And I didn't want to. And, and I remember when I finally started coming back, I remember I was slowly waking up and... and I could hear, I, I heard some voices. At first it was my mom, then my dad. He's like, I love you, son. And then my sister said something. She's like, I love you so much. You're my brother. You can't die. And then it was my friend Rocky that I called, the one that failed. And he was the last person to speak to me right before I woke up. And he was like, you're Tyler F and Sylvia. I'm not going to say it, but he's like, you're Tyler F and Sylvia. You're not going to die. You're too strong. You can got this. You're my brother. You can't die. And I don't know how long afterward, but... I remember when I finally started to wake up. I heard my dad's voice right there. So my family, we have a little bit of twisted humor. We like to uh, give each other the birdie. Mm -hmm. Just out of love, though. Nothing but out of love. Not an actual, not the actual meeting. Right, right. But just a little birdie just because we love each other. Mm -hmm. And I remember my dad being right there in front of me. I just heard his voice. He's right there. And I remember I was, lay I was laying down. I was slowly starting to open my eyes. And I just raised them. I just raised my birdies. <laughs> and my dad was like, Holy cow, he's flipping me off. He's waking up. He's flipping up. He's flipping me off. And, and, and my mom came rushing into the room and, and the nurses. And, and I woke up. And the first thing the nurse says was, don't move. You have a ventilator in you. And I was like, I just remember thinking, I couldn't move if I wanted to. Like, it was in just so much pain. And I remember they took it out. My mouth is so dry. And, and I just remember finally being able to start to talk again. And the first question I asked was, did I hurt anybody? They said, no. And then I asked, am I paralyzed? And they said, no, you're not paralyzed. And then the third question is, does something on me work? <laughs> um, and so after that, that, that kind of started the whole recovery phase. And, and I, had, I had a rod put into my left femur. That goes all the way down to my knee, from my hip to my knee. And then I have a rod in my right leg going from my top of my, like the top of my knee down to my, my ankle. I have probably about eight screws total and built those legs. And then I have a plate in my forearm as well. Uh, my lung popped and it had collapsed. I bled a third of my body's blood and, uh, I didn't walk away with brain damage somehow. Hmm. It wow. was a, a true miracle that I didn't suffer any brain damage. That is, can I just say, Holy cow. <laughs> That's a story. That's a story. That's a powerful story. And, um, it takes a lot of strength to, I actually had to walk five days after my accident with broken legs. Mm. Thank God. If they ever hear this, if Lee Memorial, you ever hear this, you have such an amazing physical therapy department. And those nurses in there made such an impact on my recovery. One nurse, Tony, was absolutely incredible. I made such a connection with him. He was there for me. Even on his day off, he came in just to help me walk. And it was such a, like a, a pivotal moment in my life, the fact that he did that. Like... Um, here I am at the weakest point of my life where it was felt like everything was just taken from me. My livelihood, my manlyhood, like everything. And so 
he came in and I remember I had my best friend Rocky on one side and then I had a physical therapy nurse on the other and I couldn't move my legs because they were in so much pain. And Tony got on his hands and knees on his day off five days after my accident and he grabbed each foot and helped me walk and he helped me walk each step and I took about 10 steps that day and they moved me into a new room and I remember just second I sat down in that chair, I cried. I cried, not out of pain, out of... I guess it was out of pain. It was it just, it was a nostalgic moment. It was a, I can't believe this is real. I just walked on broken legs. I just walked after my life should have been taken. I walked after I should have died. And it was just like a holy cow type of moment. How long was uh, physical therapy and rehabilitation for? Um, I was in, so I was in the hospital for a total of 18 days. Uh, seven day, two days in the step down ICU. No, two days in the ICU three days in the step-down ICU, and then 11 days in physical therapy there. And then I went to outpatient physical therapy for about three, two months or so. And they said it was going to be a whole year before I was able to run, jog, sprint, anything like that. Four-month mark, I jogged. Fifth month, I, sp- I ran. Six month, I sprinted. And each time I cried because they all said I wasn't going to be able to do it. And I just wasn't going to accept that. I... I remember what that felt like to be a victim to it. I remember what it felt like wanting to succumb to the whole feeling of I'm never going to be the same. It's okay to be a victim. I'm never going to be able to go skydiving. I'm never going to be able to go squatting in the gym. I'm never going to be able to go back to the gym the same way. And and I just remember at those times, it was just, it was so much easier. But I'd rather have been a victor than a victim. And I remember one of my mentors actually told me about about a month after I got out of the hospital and he was like, I was down in the dumps for a long time. Actually. Um, I I was down in the dumps for a long time. We'll get to that shortly. But I remember he was telling me, he's like, Tyler, don't be down. You literally beat death. There is nothing you can do. That's ever going to be greater than that. You beat death itself. There is nothing that will ever amount to that. You did it. There's nothing that's ever going to be harder than that. There's nothing ever going to be more difficult than that. Don't be a victim. And it was powerful, and that stuck with me. The fact that I beat death. So you're, you're so so total. Of, I would say like what seven months, rehabilitation, rehab. No, I was only in there for about two months for rehab. Rehab. Okay. Yep. And then, I was in outpatient therapy for about two months, twice a week, and I just kept doing all those exercises at home. I kept doing everything I could. I. I was supposed to be walking with my walker. When you went to sprinting, is that when you felt like, okay, I feel everything's back. My feelings back. My balance is back. No. Is that, or were you still, you were still off? I was still recovering. I mean, I still had a limp. I still had, my bones were still recovering. Yeah. They were really screwed up. It was all a lot of cartilage that was still soft. And I remember every step, it felt like someone took a hammer to my legs. And, and that's why I walked around with, and uh, I remember at first, I had the walker, and I'd always put the walker right in front of me, and I wouldn't put, I would put all my weight on my legs, no matter how bad it hurt, and yeah. so I was in that walker for about a month after I got to the hospital, and then I graduated to the cane, and then the cane, I would drop the cane and just start trying to walk on my own, without any assistance, without anything like that, sometimes I'd fall, sometimes it would just be too much pain that I had to sit down, and it, I'd cry, 
Mm. And I stopped taking pain medication five days before I got to the hospital because I didn't want to risk being addicted to it. Of course, that's yeah. that's always the trickiest thing. And I haven't taken any since. That's good. That's great. Well, yeah, we're going to we're going to focus on the positive here in a moment. And but I want to as Rick was he he was reading my mind. We need to have a toast here to um, to life and to to make it this far to the fact that you're actually you're here. You're on the podcast and you've done some amazing things. And we're going to get into that now. Um, you've overcome some uh, obviously the 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 worst of obstacles, which is death. <laughs> Um, you don't, you don't get to beat that one a lot. We don't get to run it. We don't, we, we don't often, or we'll ne- all of us will never outrun it completely. We all have to go at some point, but you defied odds and you, and you know, you're a trailblazer and this is an amazing story. So let's, let's go ahead and, and we're going to take it folks here. Just so you know, I know it's a PG show. We're going to take a shot adult to, beverage. We're going to take a shot to life <laughs> and we're going to toast and celebrate the recovery and everything that happened. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers, brother. Oh. Ooh. I filled mine with water. Yeah. We just took idea. shots of water. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Whew. So let's let's, let's jump into let's, let's let's get into the good stuff. Yeah. Let's you know that I mean it's a, no, obviously that's a good it's 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 a terrible story. But we it led don't want you, too much sad. It, it led you to this point. <laughs> but it led yes, you to this did. point. All right. So you just uh, pretty much on the anniversary, uh, four years later, after dying on that bridge, um, you close and not taking real estate very serious in the beginning and almost giving up. And actually, you were going for an interview uh, to some place to try to sell high end cars, but you knew in the back of your mind you were gonna probably end up with a detailed job again because you 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 were chasing I don't know what it was you you were young um and, and a lot of young people experience this I've done it Rick's done it all of us have done it um to where we we're just trying to find ourselves and find our passion but we can get mixed up and lost in that um that fun uh and spending money and party stage um but you lost your life got it back had to overcome all these obstacles, and everything changed. Fast forward four years later, and in 2020, despite this pandemic, because of some of the things that have happened, you've taken it a lot more serious, and you've closed 12.2 million. 12.2 million. 12.2 million in deals, and this is what people will focus on, and that's where they think the overnight success is, and they, they might... They, you know, and the young bucks, they'll come up to you and say, oh, my God, you did that. You know, you made six, <laughs> fifth, six figures in the, in, in the same day. Uh, you know, how do you do that? And, you know, oh, my God, I want to be a real estate agent. This is this is amazing. Oh, my God, blah, blah, blah. What they don't realize is there's a whole story and a, and a whole slew of information and, and challenges and obstacles and things that you've had to overcome to get to that point and yes. again losing your life reevaluating things um taking on new challenges and looking at the you know obviously you beat death and you, you there, maybe there's a there's a confidence um where there's also kind of like a, a 50 cent aura where like i got shot nine times <laughs> in the face i didn't die so ev- evidently like i i'm not afraid of death anymore uh i'm gonna take chances i'm gonna take chances on myself i'm gonna take risks pretty much i yep. mean i died 
Like right. literally, I'm not scared of it one bit. I've already been right. there. Whatever right. it happens, it happens. And you, but this, this. But I'm going to live my life to the fullest. Right. <laughs> and so all this ties in with some, you know, something that we're very passionate about with Doors Open Connect again with you know our app, etc. Um, but open houses. Um, you humbled yourself. You were able to humble yourself to a degree where now, for you know, let's let's go back. Let's rewind seven year, years ago. Were you in a suit in the middle of 90 degree heat spinning a sign? So after my car accident, I moved to Naples in May of 2017 because this is where I wanted to be. This is where I wanted to sell real estate. I have, I've had it in my mind and I wasn't going to stop until I was here. So I took that loss of money. I put money down, got a place, blah, blah, blah. And I got into real estate here. And so I really just wanted to be in the high-end market. So the first thing I did was go and book an open house over in the moorings. I reached out to an agent at a different brokerage and say, hey, I, my name's Tyler Sylvia. I'd just like to host an open house at your listing this Wednesday, or no, this Saturday, if it's not being held open. He's like, yeah, sure, that's okay. And so we met, he liked me, and then he gave me a material sheet of the open house. I memorized every single thing about that home. I knew it. People questioned if I was a listing agent because I knew so much information about it. At this time, I'm 22 years old, and so at first, I didn't do I didn't I didn't do what Deshaun's referring to. I just held the I put the open house sign in the yard. I'd walk inside and and hope to God that people came. And I remember I I've done this so many times at this point. It's probably about six months into being in Naples. And I remember I just was like, Why the heck are there so many people driving by but nobody's stopping? And then it clicked. Open house signs are boring. Why would they want to stop? And you see open house signs at every single corner. Doesn't matter what colors they are, what how they look, they're all still open house signs. There's nothing enticing about it. So what can I do to make it enticing? And the first thing I thought of was, well, what about those sign flippers? And so I went outside, full suit, tie. It was like, I would say it's uh like 90 degrees. It it's Florida. It's 90 yeah, degrees every bro, day. Every day. <laughs> And so I go outside and I start dancing with an open house sign. All of a sudden that day, instead of having like six people, eight people, I had about 20 people. And I was like, huh, maybe there's something to this. Now, how were you, how were you doing that? You were going out there. You were I just waving people down. No, you were like, waving the signs, but you have people pulling in and walking into the house. So were you like a ping pong ball? You ran inside to tell them I was a ping pong ball. And then you ran back out and did the sign. Uh, so basically I'd go in, I'd show them around the house. And the cool part was what I realized was I didn't really have to try to do an icebreaker. That whole act of me outside dancing with the open house sign made them want to make a joke first, made them want to communicate first and, and say, wow, I've never seen that before. That's so awesome. And I was like, wow, there is something to this. So I'd go show them around the whole entire home. And then second they walked out that door, I was right behind them and I was dancing with that open house sign. As they left, they saw me dancing with the, with it. And I remember um, a gentleman by the name of Peter actually came into the open house, and he was a builder. And I was like, holy cow, awesome. And he's like, yeah, here's my card. Here's my information. He goes, let me know if you ever have any lots. I'm like, absolutely. And so I was not I, – I just went on the MLS. There wasn't really anything good that he hasn't seen, so I was trying to find some <laughs> off-market properties to him. I'd constantly bring them to him. And then I was thinking – huh, maybe some other builders would like some lots. So then I started calling all these lots over in like the moorings and Park Shore because there's a lot of new construction going on. And so I'd actually go get a, I'd go to the homeowner. 
I'd meet with them. I'd get them to sign an agreement that basically I would be able to get paid if I brought them a buyer without actually listing their house. And so then I got a buyer's agreement for these builders. I wouldn't write the address and I'd go to these builders and be like, hey, are you guys looking for this type of lot? And they'd be like, yeah. So I'd have them sign their company's info on there and then I'd write the address and the addendum for the buyer's agreement so they knew it was just exclusive to that address and that's it. And so um, just nobody was biting. Mm-hmm. For a lot of lots, and and uh, there a lot of these sellers wanted too much at the time. Now, and this was 2017 when you're doing this, correct? Yes. Okay. 2017, and and man, I wish I had some of those connections still. Like that were still. I wish those sellers wanted those same prices they did back in 2017 that they do right now. Now, that, before that, before we jump into 2018, <laughs> leading all the way up to 2020, 2017, you're back from your accident. You're feeling good. You're ready to w- work real estate again. Mm-hmm. Um, you started with the sign flipping thing. Now. A lot of agents and new agents, Deshaun and I experience this a lot when we talk to newer agents, they see the success, they see your 2020 year stats, right? Yep. And they're like, oh man, <laughs> he, he did that overnight or something right? That, like yeah. that, right? So how much did you sell in 2017? Oh, I didn't sell anything. I didn't sell, I didn't sell anything in 2017. I, it was just, I kept trying, kept trying, kept failing. And then- 2018 that's when i was meeting with the builders and everything and i still didn't sell anything and it, it was a very discouraging because I'm, now were you mostly working with those builders or were you still i didn't have any clients buyers sellers nothing. like i was trying to work with everybody okay. there's no one that was off limits i was calling off market properties i was calling all these different people expireds for sale by owners i was calling homes that weren't even listed people that had a lot of equity in their home that could sell for a high value that's all the people I was calling. So those first two years, 2017, 2018. In 2018, I sold two hundred and sixty thousand dollars worth of property. Okay. In one home. And that's <laughs> you, you can't eat off that. You can't no, eat off you that. Can't. And I, the reason I wanted to highlight this is because of those those newer agents, they always see they get into real estate and they don't realize it's a roller coaster, right? Oh, like it's like work. Deshaun always says, it's jumping on the bull. Like it's it it's also, not guaranteed until forty five days later when pretty that, much that when the check comes oh, through yeah. and the family's happy and all that good stuff. And sometimes the family ain't happy. Yeah. That's like true. Patrick Dearborn said on one of our podcasts, you know how it's a good deal? When both families aren't happy. Yep. Pretty Nobody much. Nobody won. Nobody <laughs> won. I just, I literally just lost an investor. Actually, one of the guys that I looked up to and was a mentor to me. Well, not, I wouldn't, not necessarily a mentor, but I, I really looked up to the guy. Um, and, you know, that's the thing with real estate agents is you start to cut breaks. You, you give breaks because you feel like you're you're humbled to be in, you, you know, you're lucky to be in that spot. Um, and you give in, you, you give a little bit so you can get the knowledge and the experience and you can have the understanding and people will be a little bit more mm-hmm. patient with you. Um, and I did that. And, uh, you know, we got we got a lot of deals done. Um but you know, and, and 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 I am thankful. I'm appreciative for for everything that happened. Um, and again, uh, great guy, great character, great family. It just, you know, there's certain people that just um, they don't understand. And when you're a real mm-hmm. estate agent, sometimes I think that people will often uh, they might call you a door opener. Uh, they might call you, you know. And, and there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, fish in the pond, right? So you know. They kind of lean back on, oh, well, this person would have did this for me, and this person would do that, and it's like, okay, wait a minute, no, you know, loyalty, business is business. I don't ask anybody to give me anything for free, um, but uh, at the end of the day, sometimes you 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 start you you kind of have to put your foot down a little bit, and uh, I had to do that recently, and and it sucked. I got him exactly what he wanted, 
um, at the moment and what he was asking me for, but I ended up with both sides of the deal and I still cut him a break, um, saving him money and, and he, they don't recognize that sometimes. And, and how did you feel after that? Terrible. Uh, really, really, really bad. Actually, I felt um, because he was a he's more of a friend to me than than I after was, working with someone like that, you develop a friendship. You, you naturally do because you have to right, communicate all the time. Right. But he's a businessman. He's a numbers guy. Uh, and he, he looked he took me for somebody who was he didn't want to value me at my worth. It was kind of like, OK, yeah, I w I'm not the same guy I was three years ago when we started projects and I made you a lot of money. And I did a lot. I, I, I showed my butt. I, I, you know, I got fired from jobs that they rehired me for. And then I w ended up working them for free entirely. And they lost money. I lost money. Uh, cause I didn't make anything from it. I sold the deal. Um, you know, but I was gifted a $2 million deal. Uh, you know, but at the end of the day, it's kind of like, look, um, it's different now. Uh, we have, I have experience. I have knowledge. I have people that I work with. I have connections that I wouldn't have. I have, you have more that you can bring to the table. Right. So, um, and I think that that's important for agents, especially new agents tuning into this to listen to, because, you know, just, just like Tyler's story and, and his passion. And actually Tyler and I worked together before on a deal, um, related to that previous gentleman in Il Regalo. Um, and Tyler, at the, yeah, but you were, you were hustling, brother. You were hustling. I'd never met Tyler before in my life. He was with Downey Fry and Tyler showed up to my house, you know, gung ho, ready to go. This was post. This was he wearing a suit? Uh, of course I was, man. Yeah. This was, Always this was this probably was, Navy blue or, or maroon. Yep. Either or. I'm Navy blue. Navy blue? Yeah. This, ah. was, this was post the accident. I knew nothing about Tyler, but he was doing everything he could to sell this guy on the house that I had listed. He They were going back and forth between two properties in the, in the uh, community, but... The husband and wife could not agree on it. Right. Just could not at all. Right. And then uh, fast forward, we <laughs> found out the guy is not... Uh, yeah, the fa fast forward to find out the... Um, Right, we, we were looking at the home for about four weeks total, which in real estate, you know, that that's really excessive to right. keep looking at two homes and not making a decision. All of a sudden, husband and wife get divorced. All of a sudden, it's a very messy divorce. Like, the wife fakes a, a like, the wife basically called the police and saying, the guy drove up to her, punched her in the face, and then drove off. And it was such a lie. Like, it was a complete and utter lie, but she called the cops because she was like, I was told to. She said that will make look better on the divorce. And it was just such a messy situation that they tried to drag me into. I was like, nope, I'm just a realtor. Nope, right. I'm not participating. The crazy thing is, like, but, but at the time, Tyler came there. Again, I never met him before in my life. We never crossed paths, nowhere, never. But this was post. Post-accident. Post-accident. Yep. And how, how, you know, I, I can't remember, but how... How post was that? That was 20, 2019, actually, when we I were doing it. I sold it in 2019. Three years. Three years. Okay, so, yeah. So actually, two and a half years, because it was in the beginning of the year. It right. was around two and a half years. But he was hungry, and he was doing everything he could, and he kept reaching out to me. We did, like, three or four showings on that property. Yeah. And um, and then he was at this other guy, Jason Fenmore. He was also with uh, Downey Fry. I think. Yeah, and was showing his house, too. His, his house. His personal home. A little smaller. Our lot was bigger. It was <laughs> on the corner, but it was backed up to a senior living facility, which was really like a resort. And then there was lake views. And that's another thing. So million-dollar buyers are completely different from multi-million-dollar buyers. Oh, and yeah. The, and the fact that 
million dollar buy like it's the craziest thing because when when I was younger when I when I had one of my first deals people were complaining all the time they were like oh you have no backyard oh you have no lake view oh you have no this you have no that and we're talking about in the $500,000 range and then you fast forward to the to the to the house that we bought for 517 we fixed it up we did a really good job with it um it's beautiful oh, truly beautiful renovation job and by the way i will say this the, the, there was 35 homes in that community in Iwagalo. <laughs> Uh, 35 homes and every other home was a real estate agent Pretty and that much. home was a foreclosure at five at five something and they basically nobody wanted to touch it because they got one quote on it on the fixing the foundation which mm-hmm. was uh was it m squared i'm not entirely i'm not entirely sure but it was expensive oh man it was like 110 grand that made Ooh. all the difference it made all the difference because the the neighbor next to us, he was like, oh, I've been in the business for 30 years. And he would go up to my seller when I wasn't there and he'd be like, oh, I, I only I handpick and choose who I want to sell for. <laughs> I love those agents. They're hilarious. I handpick and choose. And he was calling this guy he was all the time, you know, and at the time, you know, my seller was he was loyal to me and he knew he could he could sniff that shit out. But uh, excuse my language. But um, <laughs> Drink. But, yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day. Um, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm not twisted over that. Like I'm yeah. doing everything I can. And, you know, I monitored the project and some people fell behind on permitting and stuff. But at the end of the day, it was 35 homes in there. Every other person in there was a real estate agent and they didn't even bother to get another quote. So I come in, I found it on a foreclosure and that's only because we got two offers on two different properties. And then I'm like, Oh, okay. So I go to the office at the old small Marzuko office, JNC Boulevard. I remember that. I got me a fifth of Jack Daniels. Yeah, I started. I'm like, hey, you know, things are going good. Let me go and uh, check it out on the MLS. And I found that one. I'm like, what? What's going on here? And I'm like, that property should be worth millions. And so I ended up getting this contract. This My, my contractor, a really good guy. He's like a brother to me. But anyway, he got three quotes. He got one. Uh, the one we ended up going with was out of Tampa, Florida. It's called Solid Foundations. And they have a transferable uh, lifetime guarantee on the foundation work that they do. And they did it for like 30, 35,000 bucks. Jeez. So I made, I made, I made the, the, I made both uh, the contractor and the, um, and the investor, I made them both something wrong, eighty thousand dollars a piece. I walked away with nineteen, and I saved twenty-seven thousand dollars to the to the to the buyer because we ended up where we we it, it, we got it at five seventeen. It appraised for a million seventy. We sold it for nine fifty cash, and I worked both ends of the deal. And that's where you find out that agents are not worth. Some of them are just they think they're gonna make money for not doing anything. And that was terrible. That was terrible. Well, yeah, it's but a lot it, of instant gratification. But I wanted to work with you, Tyler. I wanted <laughs> your guy. I wanted, Man, we spoke for, for a good solid three months. I put together a $400,000 cherry pick list for, of stuff that they could do to, to fix the, 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 the view for uh, Colossia Hedges uh, along the senior living facility. They had a lake in the back. This is all the stuff that people were asking for in the $500,000 house, but the million dollar house, they were like, no, we need this. We need this. We need this. They were nitpicking everything. So I had to come up with a solution for everything. 
And then the lady came in and she's like, well, a woman didn't design this. The cupboard should be over here. And, then, and I'm like, uh, we just wanted to give you a blank canvas so you can create your own masterpiece and make it yours. And uh, But Tyler was doing, he brought this guy, he brought him multiple times. We were doing everything we could to sell the house. But that's where I met Tyler. And uh, then I followed up, I found out about his story. And now fast forward years later, to, to maybe a year and a half, two years later, now he's at Marzuka Real Estate. He's with us and he's a part of the family. Um, and a side note, that's separate from Doors Open Connect, but I will hold on to that because it means a lot to me because Tyler has been through a lot. And I think that people need to understand that it isn't an overnight success and there's going to be disappointments. There's going to be a lot of disappointments, just like anything else. Can in I life. jump in? Yes. There's so many disappointments. It's so many. Funny. So back in 2018, I had such a long client list of multi-million dollar buyers, right? All from this open house for me dancing with it. And guess what? Almost all the buyers went and worked with another agent. Mm -hmm. I followed up with one for, for months. I met one. I'm not going to say his name or anything, but I, 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 I follow up with a seller. He actually told me, he's like, I want you to list my house for 2.3 million. I was like, let's do it. And all of a sudden he's, he called me one day. He's like, Hey, look, my wife got cancer. I don't want to list my home right now. I'm like, Oh my God, keep me in the loop. Let me know if there's anything I can do. So after that, I gave him about two or three months and I called him. I followed up with him and then it turned into another three months. I followed up with him and then it started turning to monthly calls. And so I followed up with this one gentleman. He wanted to buy a five to $7 million home. He wanted to use me. He loved me. He thought we clicked really well. So fast forward to 2019, I'm still following up with this gentleman. All of a sudden, I couldn't get a hold of him in the month of April back in 2019. And so I was like, you know what? I'm not going to bug him. Maybe his wife's better and they're celebrating, having fun. So I called him in May. He answers the phone. He's like, hey, Tyler. I'm like, how you doing? And he's like, good. Um, I just want to let you know that we walked into an open house and we actually bought the home. And I was like, really? You did? With, and I was like, with who? And he told me the name. And I was like, huh. And so he bought a $6 million home. And then he listed that home with that real estate agent for $2.6 So then I asked him, what did I do wrong in order to, did I not follow up properly? Because if you didn't use me, I clearly did something wrong. He goes, oh, no, you did nothing wrong. You were great. It just happened so fast. I walked into his open house. And, and next thing you know, we put an offer in. And that was it. Mm. And it was just like, there are so many betrayal stories like that, but that one stuck out the most because I follow up with him for more than a year and a half. Now, backtrack to that, that builder, Peter, that I met, mm. I actually followed up with him for quite a long time. Two years. Right? Yeah. For two years, I followed up with this gentleman. And so it wasn't up as it was just me consistently following up, trying to ask what he wants, what he can find. And then um, I'm at Downing Fry and I know I met another agent because so I started calling real estate agents and I asked like, hey, can I hold an open house here? Blah, blah, blah. And then I also started another tactic. I was like, hey, if you have any buyers that you don't want to work with, I'll pay you a referral fee for the next three years of any transactions that I do with them. First year, 30 percent. Second year, 20 percent. Third year, I'll pay you 10 percent. And they're like, OK, so then. I was trying to do some deals with that, and these agents weren't referring me anything. So I, I met this one agent, Amanda. If you'll ever listen to this, you're absolutely incredible. Thank you so much. So you let me do an open house over at one of her listings. And so I actually called that builder. He drove there. He loved the lot. The lot was half an acre. It was 750 Old Trail Drive. We he, we bought the lot for 920000 and then that was the only deal I did in 2019. And so... What did you, what did you, what did you, um, how much did you sell in 2019? 
one property. Nine nine twenty, right? Yep. Nine hundred twenty thousand. So you so two thousand eighteen was two sixty. Yep. Two thousand nineteen was nine nine twenty. Nine twenty. Yep. So this I love this, and I'm glad you guys went off on this tangent. I'm glad you told your uh, story to Sean and and yours as well, Tyler, because the whole reason I I I kind of baited this conversation was because back to agents, new agents, they see the success. They don't realize you went through all this stuff. Your mindset oh, changed all the after the, all the failures, all the tears, your man. Mindset, all the questioning, are you good Your mindset changed after the accident. You went to this different different level of being in real estate than you were the first three years, right? Um, so everything changed for you. So, so these, these agents that just see that they just see the success where they just, they think it's overnight, right? You just all of a sudden out of nowhere, you just sell 12 million in 2020, right? Yep. But pretty much, but it was seven, six years of planting seeds, building up to yeah. this, changing your mindset, going through that accident, right? Yeah. So absolutely. So like all the new agents out there that are listening, realize there is no overnight success. It's like Lionel Messi, um, which is a huge soccer player said, yeah, I'll tell you guys about my overnight success. Was a huge, 17 years. Was a huge soccer player. He was, was a huge soccer player. Past tense. Isn't well, he, he still, still in soccer? He still is. He's no, he died. No, he didn't. Yeah, he died. Lionel last, Messi? He died last week. No, he did yes, not. He did. What? No. Lionel Messi's dead. No. How? Dead. From what? Pull up the Google article. I don't believe you. Oh, wait. Maybe it's maybe it's Ma- Ma- Maradona. Oh my God! Oh yeah, this not guy. Lionel. <laughs> this guy. Lionel Messi just got traded. I think. I, I think he's. Nah, still, he's wait still a playing. minute. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Let me get on. I don't think I would have heard about this, bro. Th- the whole world would have heard about that. Well, like, I, it's Lionel Messi. That's what he's I mean. right there with Ronaldo. But, but, but what? But what he said was. You know, my over there's no such thing as overnight success. It was 17 years of me working hard to get to where I'm at now. 10 years ago, nobody paid attention to me. 15 years ago, no one paid attention to me. 17 years ago, no one paid attention to me. Now everybody considers me one of the best soccer players in the world, but they don't realize it took me 17 years of hard work playing pros, playing amateur to get to that point, right? Dude. So that was that was my whole point of this was, um, you know, there is no overnight success. You got to put in the work. Like Florida, 95 degree weather, and you're out there in a suit spinning a sign. <laughs> All right, guys, guys, I made a I made a crucial mistake. I know you did. Ah. I would have heard about this. Well, well, one of them d- died recently. It was Maradona. Gosh, you scared me, man. <laughs> I was getting ready to take my phone off airplane mode and figure this out. But so anyway, Diego um, Maradona. He so, died. He died. He died. He died November twenty fifth, twenty twenty. All right. So baby. real quick, but I just want to go ahead. Go ahead. He, he, you he, go on the soccer tangent real quick. He, he was the he was the king. He's great. No, I love he, him. he was he was amazing. All right, so real quick, it was actually, so I everything that I had in Cape Coral, none of it translated to Naples. So I had to grow everything organically. I had no handouts, like no nobody handed me clients. I didn't have any connections here. I knew nobody. Everything I've earned here is because of, of literal blood, sweat, and tears. And, 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 and so that's leading up. And a lot more sweat, actually. That's leading up <laughs> to what I want to ask next. How effective were open houses for you? And what would you say to agents out there? Especially, especially some of the older agents that say, you know, open houses don't work. They're, you know, they're too much work. Or don't what? What advice? Houses. What advice would you give to newer agents that say, I want to get my foot in the door when it comes to open houses? When you're doing open house, I well, at least for what works for me. When I'm doing open house, I'm very strategic with where I pick an open house. I like to pick it at an intersection where I know there's going to be a lot of traffic or that a road that is connected to 41. 
because I know there's going to be a lot of traffic going into that road no matter what, regardless. And so I like to be very strategic where I do it. Like if you're going to do it in a community, do it right at the entrance of the community if you can. Find a community, learn everything about it, learn what the average price per square foot, what the average selling price is, and, and learn everything you can about that community. Learn about neighboring communities as well so you know what you're talking about. Like for me, I print out a sheet of about, I actually print out about, about 300 sheets and I put them all into a binder. It would be all the listings that are in the nearby area organized by price range. And I actually was able to have people flip through it so to have people flip through this open house book, like this listing book that was in that neighborhood, and I'd have all the neighborhood listings, I'd have all the surrounding neighborhood listings as well, organized by price range or community, depending on what the price range I was at. Uh, for me, I was targeting the multi-million dollar market, so I was like doing like one mil, two mil, three mil, four mil plus and, and higher. Um, and also when, when I was able to get these people through the door, I wouldn't ask those typical questions like, oh, how are you doing? Oh, are you from Naples? Like, to me, that's just a very generic type of question. So I'd always ask people, like, first thing they walk in, I'd be like, so how, what was the best part about your week? Now I'm asking a different question that they don't get asked too often. Next thing you know, so then I'd ask more questions about what was the best thing. If it was a pretty, pretty bland answer, I'd be like, all right, what was your, where are you from and what was your favorite part about growing up there? Now, once they answer that, what their favorite part was, I'm already thinking the closing gift that they're, I'm going to be getting them. Because now I'm getting to know what was their favorite part, what was their best memories, what was their favorite childhood experiences that they had. And so now I'm getting these ask these people these more powerful questions on a personal level rather than a salesman level. And so then I'd show them around the house, continue to keep asking questions. And then right before they were to walk out, I actually be like, hold up. I got to put my salesman hat on. So right there kind of clarifies like, all right, he's been a person. He's not hasn't been a salesman. He's been a person. And now I'm like, are you working with any other realtors? If they say yes, I'd be like, ah, okay. That all oh, I'd compliment the realtor saying I've heard great things about them, even if I haven't, because I want to reassure people's great choices. And then right before they would walk, if they said no, I'd be like, oh, awesome. I'd hand them my card. I'd be like, look, um, if you're not working with anybody, I'd love to be able to have that opportunity and be able to show you the type of value I provide to my clients and what I could do for you. And so also before they would walk out again, I would ask them like, do you think you could put your information to this open house book? And they said, a lot of times they would hesitate. It would it, be a little pause. And I'd say, look, I'm a person. You're a person. I'm not going to put you on email campaign. I'm not going to call you 150 times. I'm just going to follow up with you. And that's it. I follow up appropriately, not excessively. And nine times out of 10, they would leave their information after that, whether it be just an email or a phone number or just an address. And so no matter what, I'd always get some sort of contact information from them. If they didn't want to leave any information at all, that's okay because they're not serious. I wasn't like a like a sign in, sign in, sign in, sign in, sign in first. I didn't give excuses. It was just I let them know this is for me to follow up with them. And uh, and to me, I guess one of the things that I really recommend to new agents too, to all those listening out there, don't be a salesman. Mm -hmm. Be a person because yeah. they're people too. They're not everybody wants to be pressured into a sale or, or wants to feel like they're being forced to get their information. Just like you don't like, like being put onto those email campaigns that blast out 100 emails in a day. You unsubscribe instantaneously. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. People yeah. are people. Treat them like people. You connect a lot better with them. This, is, this has been great. I have one last final question. It's a simple, easy question. Tyler, why would Doors Open Connect app benefit agents? Oh, 
Because you have so many access, you have such access to so many open houses that you don't normally have access to. It's a lot of age, a lot of brokerages don't allow other agents to participate at their open houses. But with the doors open, connect, you kind of eliminate that whole field of like calling other agents, calling all these other people. You already know who's there and who's serious about actually trying to get their listing sold. You know who's serious about actually putting it out there and in creating the best opportunities for people. So those new agents. Go to Doors Open Connect. You literally will get paid to go sit in an open house and try to even get the commission from the buyers that walk through. But take advantage of that opportunity while you're there. I will say this. Tyler, you had an, uh, um, you know, it, it, was a, it was a transition because, you know, from where I met you in uh, Il Regalo at, at my listing, and I was telling you about this project, Doors Open Connect, um, you, you, you kind of listened to it. But it was kind of like, you know, I, I get, I get this a lot, you know, a lot of agents are trust, you know, they're like, what is it going to cost me? What is it? This and that. And you, you, we never really followed up on that, but I, I kept going. And, uh, actually, um, we had, we, you know, we did a soft launch. It was, it was all right. But the, 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 the turning point was in 2020 when I was like, well, this, you know, I have investors into this and we've spent a lot of money and time developing this app and this procedure and this thing to get people connected together. And when I brought Ricky on board, that's when the the whole thing kind of changed. And actually, uh, COVID ruined a lot of things, but pre-COVID, um, we had a, we, we had a lot of stuff that started to happen that was really nice. And it turned into to success stories. We actually have an agent that made over 30 K on the app. Well, not through the, not on the app, but through the connections made on the app, but he's actually made somewhere around four or $500 directly through the app. And that's, that's what we originally thought though, Deshaun was COVID was going to hurt us, but it ended up helping us as well and helping other agents because there was agents that wanted to stay home, didn't want to go out during the pandemic, but they needed signs picked up. Right. They needed doors open. They needed inspector mm-hmm. uh, doors open for inspectors for appraisers. Right. So and we, and we closed deals. But my my what I'm I'm feeding into is that Tyler, uh, he you know again, and this is where we need to do a better job, I think, of communicating what we do, what we stand for, what we are. Of course, it's all about bringing the community and network of professional real estate agents together. Um, and, and getting them to collaborate because we don't all have to be enemies at 99% of the time, somebody else is going to bring you a a buyer from another brokerage. Why are you fighting this? And the old industry stuff is kind of going away. Um, but, but Tyler, uh, you know, I, he, we, we, uh, I think it was shit. Excuse my language. It was. Two months ago, <laughs> two or three months ago, he had a $1.5, $1.6 million condo on the beach. Uh, $1.8. And he, he called in a panic and he was like, man, I need somebody to go and open the doors and, and, and roll up the shutters and, and stage the oh, house and turn one, the lights one. on. That was a $2 million listing, and, and I was actually out of town. It was out and of here's town. our doors open connect. I never realized the value that was there up until this. Right. And because I didn't understand it fully, is I was able to post on there, I just need someone to open up the shutters, the blinds, everything, turn on the lights. And I had no clue. I had nobody to call anything. So I called Deshaun. I was asking, like, hey, do you know anybody? And he's like, bro, post on doors open connect. And I was like, you can do that? He goes, yes. Doors open connect is literally like the best tool for agents. I'm not. Not doing this to sales pitch anybody, but seriously, 
if you're not on it, you're missing out. Those agents who are, are high producers or even just beginning, beginning that that app is such a useful tool in order to help your everyday to life. So you paid $75, I think. I did. Okay, you paid $75 and you had an offer when? I had an offer... The next day. The next day? Yeah, I did have an offer the next right. day because of that one action from Doors Open Connect that helped me get that home open. It got me that offer. And that's... And so and so what we're, we're, we're trying to tell people, like, listen... listen uh, whether you're a new agent, a seasoned agent, or somebody that's been around the block a little bit, uh, whether you're paranoid or not, I want to I want to stress upon you guys that listen, this is free. This is a, a connection, and you can reach out to me anytime, or my my uh, my good friend and partner co-host Rick Haas. You can reach out to Jorvino Essie. You can reach out to Jess um, Morris. You can reach out to to Jesse Logan. You can reach out to Josh Marzuko. I don't care what you got to reach out to. Um, there's no more verification needed. We've proven the concept. Uh, you need to stop being um, uh, paranoid, if you will. Don't be it, scared of change. Don't be scared of it because, look, $75 got the if, – if he wasn't there, would it have showed the same? I sold that condo for $1,850,000 cash. What was, your, what was your commission percent on it? Two and a half percent. Was so, it worth paying seventy five dollars? Oh, absolutely! I do it ten times over. Seventy five dollars. What would you ra- What would you usually market something like that at? So my point is this, guys: forty six thousand two hundred fifty dollars was my commission, minus that seventy five dollars. My net was forty six thousand one hundred seventy five. Are you hurting after that? Oh, it's just it's brutal. <laughs> and so and and I gotta I, guys, I gotta tell you this because this is important because this is a passion of mine. Um, we don't take a fee right now. Um, we were, we have to, at some point we've proven concept. Tyler right here is a success story in itself and his own right. And he deserves, he deserves every bit that he could get. And he actually called me with a panic in his voice that day was because he was like, I want to be at my own showing, but he couldn't be there because he was either in Miami or wherever it was last minute. He paid the 75 bucks, best $75 he probably ever spent because he made something like 40K off of it because he got a trustworthy individual, which we vetted and verified ahead of time to go in, unlock the doors, roll up the windows, turn the lights on, make it nice, and she disappeared for the actual showing so that the agent could go in and sell it um, the buyer's agent could go in and sell it on their own. So, and then she would come back later on, lock it all up, and voila, he got an offer the next day. I also paid someone $50 to go drop off keys into a lockbox. Yes. Like you new agents, if you, when you're starting out, it's not easy. That like was you're in, not going to get, you're not gonna get a sale the first day. It was in Fort Myers. Yeah, I paid $50 to go drop off keys. It was a 30-minute drive, $50 on his way home. Like, you're... Don't sleep on it. That the app simple. It's just it's, it's opening doors to real estate <laughs> professionals. You, you, you know you can you can you can be behind the curve. You could be old school with it. You got maybe you got your own team. Uh, that's fine. Uh, but the app has features in it that um, you can take advantage of to make sure that you're being alerted to the process the entire time. Whether somebody checks in, checks out, etc. You could pay them directly. Whether they're from your office or another office. Whoever's gonna uh, sign up for it, um, and it, it could very well mean your next deal. We do not charge 
at this particular Deshaun, time. I'll make it easy for them. You remember the 49 gold rush? Well, let's pretend it's 48 and we're <laughs> telling you where the gold's at. We're, we're giving you this for free. We can't charge any less than that. We're giving yeah. it to you for free. It's not going to be free forever, but take advantage. Well, not only that, but they can call me. They can. There's uh, a support system behind it. There's I, not. I, I you're not going to get a, a, a automated voicemail when you call the, uh, pe- pe- the the number of the the pe- president. If people call me, text me on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and what have you, and we get it all ironed out. And like I said at the beginning of the podcast, we're doing. Um, I don't even know how many millions of dollars, but it's five open houses in Dallas Park with a high end luxury agent. We got three hundred seventy five dollars worth of people paid um and they get to experience the uh they get to advertise themselves but they also get to experience the luxury market maybe they never had or would have never had a chance before um and uh it's only a few hours out of the day out of the weekend uh and they get to maybe make a new friend and somebody who has that type of connection and they learn more about the community i mean it's endless oh it's totally worth it Oh. Like, they have no clue what kind of value you can have. Even though you're giving away the clients that you meet, you have no clue the type of long-term effects that it has and, now, and setting a standard, too. Now, let me be blatantly clear. Since we relaunched this uh, in the in the year, the only way we can make this better for our agents and for everybody else, now that we've proven concept and we've done all this work thus far, we've sat millions of dollars uh, uh, multiple millions of dollars worth of listings. We've gotten, we're under four contracts now, uh, excuse me, four or five contracts now, literally through connections made through the app would have never had before. We didn't charge. Um, Families are eating because we, of that. We were doing the podcast. We had been doing it free up until now, but that's, it's, it's all got to change. The only way that we can make this better and better fit for other agents and, and, and to, and going forward in 2021, um, we have to eat, but we also have to make this better for you guys. So we will be charging. We so, we spent a whole year providing free value. Free value. But we've 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 maxed moved maxed out. We've hit the ceiling to that. The only way to go higher is monetary contributions, which is going to grow this, grow the app, grow us, and put more food and and money in people's pockets. And we're going to make it simple. And and we're going to be doing more advertising. So. We're literally going to be advertising for, like, I've been creating videos for agents. I think the most at one time was, like, 11 videos I made for Yeah, people. you don't sleep. I don't, I don't know how you get sleep. I, I did it for free. And they could use that in market. And then I posted it on our social. How many days do you think you slept in 2020? Um, <laughs> I don't want to swear too much. Um, not many. Not more than 10. Because every time I see you, it's 2 in the morning you're creating videos. You, The support system with... with DOC is is unbelievable. I mean, there's not going to be one time you call one of us and we can't tell you something about DOC. Well, let me tell you this. All right. For a fact, um, Tyler's story is super inspirational. And I think everybody should take notes out of this. And if you didn't get anything out of this, uh, you're 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 listening. I graduated high school with a 2.56 GPA. Yeah. I just sold $12 million, $12.2 million of real estate this year. And next year, I'm going to be selling a minimal $35 million with how I'm positioning myself already. But look, you what, can do what, it as long as you put that hard work in. Don't come into the business expecting that you're going to be making a hundred grand your first month or anything like that, and that everybody's going to want to use you. Look, everybody's mother, dog, son, cat, hamster has a real estate license, and and I've been burnt, and yeah. he's been burnt, Rig's been burnt. But let me tell you this: uh, 
we were just talking to Tyler. He just said on one thing where he paid $75, he's making 40K off of. I got an agent who might not be an agent right now if it wasn't for us coming in and training, holding his hand, but actually, you know, him taking us serious and listening. He's made over almost 40 grand. Um, we've, we've, we're, we've, oh, shit. Excuse my language again. <laughs> Anthony Diamante has made money. Sarah Brand has made money. Trinity Jutras has made money. Um, we'll talk about a lot of these on the next episode too. Yeah, Christmas you know, podcast. We'll yeah, get into so, it. So they, they've all made money. Uh, and just recently we've got Jesse Logan, Dylan, uh, uh, Jess Morris, Stephanie, uh, Larson. Last week um, they have a buy. So the list is long. The, the list, list is, long, is long, and we'll go over it next week in this the Christmas works. podcast. For this sure, this works, guys. But here's another thing: I want you guys to understand one thing, one crucial p- part of this, which is that when the blue shirts are on, when we're talking doors open connect, we're doing a doors open connect podcast. Don't think of me as a real estate agent. Don't think of me as a real estate broker. My our success as doors open connect does not work unless. We make other agents successful and whatever brokerage they're with, we are neutral 120%. So like Chloe is with Premier Sotheby's, Patrick's with John R. Wood. We give them our all. We repost. We don't charge. We repost. We share. We get people involved in the community. We add calendars. We add dates. As long as you tag us, as long as you treat us, uh, you know, we, we don't ask for anything except for attack. Um, and it's going to change because we're making a lot of people, a lot of money, but we're not making money. So and take advantage now. So take advantage now, take it serious. Uh, this is, the, you know, and, and I'm done with the whole doors up and connecting because this podcast in general with Tyler is, it's the epitome of real estate and agents and where people think that they can just Go out. They see Tyler cast, you know, he's, he's doing six figures. Oh, Tyler, oh, my God. Oh, Tyler. Oh, they might jump. Yeah, they might jump to a conclusion. Oh, he just had it handed to him. <laughs> um, that's, <laughs> no. where, that's where this podcast comes into play because everybody we've interviewed had a starting point and they have a story. Hey, 80 hours a week for two years before I really started selling stuff like I am. Exactly. 80 hours a week for two flipping years. Right. So I'm only telling 260000 my first year here in Naples and then 920000 my second year here in Naples right. to get to this point. Now, I'm still working 80 hours a week this year and I'm going to scale my business up to $35 million minimal right. this coming year. Okay. So, you heard it here. And this is from anything else. Um, also, one thing that I want to stress in the real estate community is this. Stop talking about other agents you never sat down with and had a conversation with and never explored their story. If you're intrigued by it, that's fine. It's not gang related. You're a human being and the people around you are human beings too. So if they've sold millions and millions and millions of dollars, chances are they have a significant story behind them and you need to figure out what that is before you go blurting off at the mouth. And especially in this community. It's and a small world. It's a small community. Information is passed along like Pokemon don't, cards. Don't judge. <laughs> don't prejudge people. Don't put a label on people, have a conversation with people, and then 
go out and make your assumptions, but every everything is ethical in this industry, and it's a small community, as Tyler Tyler said. So I love it. I love it, Deshaun. You so hit it right on the head. We're done there. Um, Tyler, is there anything left that you want to say uh, to new agents, aspiring agents, or part-time agents, or people who are struggling, or people who are ready, ready, ready to quit? Keep fighting. Keep being relentless. And know who you are. That's one of the best things I could give. Give, Be firm in your identity. And, and be relentless. Be relentless with what you want, what you strive for. And answer your phone. Mm-hmm. Agents all over. Answer your phone. Text back. Email back. Communication is key. Because if you don't answer, someone else like me, who always answers my phone, will take your clients. So go ahead and plug your business now. Tell them where they can call you at. <laughs> yeah, where that social right. at? Look, look, you can call me on my personal cell phone right here. 239-470-3137. You can find me on Instagram at Tyler Sylvia, T-Y-L-E-R-S-Y-L-V-I-A. That is my at name too. Um, and you can find me on Facebook too. Tyler Sylvia, same thing. Perfect. Deshaun, take us out of here. Let's get out of here, boys and girls. We are in the holiday season. If I have to go to one more Christmas party. Well, you got our Christmas party coming up. We got our own Christmas party. Which we'll be doing a live podcast at. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that's next week. Wait, do so, I get invited as a you're, podcast? You're, you're, you're invited. Yeah. We got to have you. <clears throat> All right. So here is how it is, guys. You can follow us on um, Instagram at Doors Open Connect. Uh, and you can follow us on Facebook at Doors Open Connect LLC. We just started moving on our um, uh, TikTok, believe it or not. That's Doors Open Connect. And Turtles then, Pace, but we're doing it. Yeah, Turtles Pace. But it's working. It's starting to work out. Uh, we did one today and, and a couple of the last in the last couple of weeks. Um, guys, Toys for Tots. If you're trying to get back to the local communities, you're trying to get back to, to you know, for Toys for Tots. There's so many places that you can... You can deliver toys to, um, and I'm guessing most of them will go out to the Immokalee and the needy families like we did for Thanksgiving with the turkeys. Uh, Josh Marzuko, you can you can come to the Marzuko office and drop off gifts. Uh, gift, uh, gifts. You can also go to uh, Giovanni's office. He's doing Toys for Tots. You can go to um, Patrick Dearborn, John R. Woods. He's doing Toys for Tots. You can go to Lauren Maxwell's. And she's doing Toys for Tots as well. So anywhere you can go and drop off and deliver, you know, it's just a couple of dollars um, uh, just to be a part of the community and to give back uh, for some of these people who just really have nothing and a little bit of hope can go a long ways. So please, if you can, uh, donate and consider uh, donating. Uh, also, um, coming up, Seat to Table, we're doing a Toys for Tots at uh, Seat to Table on Saturday, the 19th. It's going to start at 9 p.m. and it'll go all the way to 2 p.m. They've got a DJ there um, and you can drop off toys there as well um, to, to, to give to the communities that are struggling and, and etc. Um, other than that, guys, uh, you can download the app for free. If you're a licensed real estate agent, uh, you don't need a, refer co- a referral code. All you have to do is upload your picture, um, sign up. What brokerage you're with? If you want to take care, uh, take advantage of um, paid opportunities like what's happening this weekend on Sunday with Chloe in Tallis Park, all you have to do is sign up. Um, all those jobs are gone now, but 
they're not gone forever. People are going to continue to pay to do stuff. We have this stuff happen all the time. We've got over 400 agents on the app now. Um, and then we got a really big thing coming up soon. So you don't want to get left behind on that. Um, and you want to communicate and work with local professionals such as yourself and build a network. But now, after that, uh, I'm going to say peace out. Um, this is it. This is Doors Open Connect in 2020, one of our last episodes in 2020. And I'm here with my co-host, Rick Haas. You can follow us again. Doors Open Connect on any of the platform except for uh, Facebook. That's Doors Open Connect LLC. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to reach out to us at doorsopenconnect.gmail.com. If you have anybody that you want us to interview, please reach out to that. But if you found value in this, please like us, subscribe, please share with your friends and family. Please get us out there because we will make sure to take care of you um, in the future of the Doors Open Connect family and the podcast family. Other than that, this is it. Doors Open Connect. This is uh, Deshaun signing out uh, of DOC. Uh, Rick Haas signing out. And until next time, we'll be sure to keep your doors open so your deals stay closing. <laughs>